At the Commonwealth Policy Foundation, we try to approach the issues of life, marriage, religious liberty, and fiscal integrity from a biblical perspective that promotes thoughtfulness and kindness. We work with political leaders and concerned citizens from all across the state. To stay informed, visit CommonwealthMatters.org and sign up for our e-newsletter. The Commonwealth Policy Foundation is a nonprofit organization that only exists because of friends like you. Thanks for tuning in to the Commonwealth Matters. Welcome to the Commonwealth Matters. I'm Richard Nelson, your host. Transgender activism is being aggressively pushed in the mainstream by Fortune 500 companies. Recent controversies include Bud Light when they selected Dylan Mulvaney, the transgender TikTok influencer, to represent its brand. Target recently rolled out a clothing line aimed at transgender youth. So what's going on? What's going on in our culture today that would lead major corporations to push the envelope and uh, possibly sacrifice their brand and their bottom line? Uh, Joining us on the program is Christopher Parr, CPC's newest summer intern. Christopher, welcome to the program. Thank you, Richard. It's great to be here. Hey, I appreciate you filling in because I just pulled you off the sidelines <laughs> a few minutes ago to join us. Uh, the longstanding guest, Ron Hicks, uh, could not make it. And I really do truly appreciate uh, you joining in. Before we jump into the program, Christopher, um, I'd like you to just share a little bit as to why you wanted to, uh, to join CPC uh, in this internship opportunity. So I heard about CPC uh, a few years ago uh, as a student at Boyce College, which is, I'm sure many of your listeners know, is the undergraduate school at Southern Seminary in Louisville. Mm -hmm. And uh, immediately uh, from several professors, from other students, some of whom you know and who currently work here at CBC, I heard about CPCs and their excellent reputation. There's a couple things I mean by that. Uh, CPC uh, is what, what I learned there. Is that CPC is the place to go um, if you're interested in our core values mm-hmm. like life, mm-hmm. marriage, religious liberty, fiscal responsibility, and you're interested in seeing those spread mm-hmm. in our state. Uh, CPC is the place to be for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that's what I learned. Um, a couple other things. Um, you know, it's interesting. We were recently sending an email out to uh, churches about our uh, LGBT in public schools events. Um, mm-hmm. Those are happening across the state. You should check those out if you don't know about it. Um, but I was trying to think how to describe them. And the two words I came up with uh, were, I think, two words that describe CPC's mission, faithful and charitable, mm. why I wanted to be at CPC. Faithful, first of all, um, our cause is just. Um, we are after searching after those core values that we've talked about, uh, and those are very important, and I believe in those. Mm-hmm. The other thing is charitable. Mm-hmm. Um, now, that doesn't mean that we're a tone police. That doesn't mean mm-hmm. we're not willing to be convictional. Mm-hmm. Um, but it does mean that we see everyone, every Kentuckian, as an image bearer. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a perspective not all in our space have. Most in our public policy space don't have. Uh, mm-hmm. So that's why I'm excited to be here. Man, that's great. I appreciate that. I should take you along uh, to more programs that I do and more speaking events. <laughs> and I will let you introduce me in CPC. That was very, very kind. Uh, let me add to that too. We met back in, I think, December of last year at Alex Ritchie's wedding celebration. And uh, my wife and I were there, we were looking for a table to, uh, to join. And, um, you were there with several of your peers, um, other students at, uh, Southern Seminary. 
And we were doing introductions, just saying hello and, well, who are you and what do you do? And got to me, um, somebody said, well, who are you? I said, well, I'm Richard Nelson of the Commonwealth Policy Center. Well, the eight other people around the table lit up and said, Richard Nelson, oh my. And I felt like a celebrity. And uh, of course, I asked, well, how do you know about me? And you heard about me through some of your professors who said very kind things. And I felt a little bashful, by the way. That was a very um, unexpected response <laughs> that I got from you, but it was pleasant too. And I noticed you, uh, we, we talked a little bit then, but then uh, we followed up um, sometime after with a conversation about you joining CPC as an intern. And Christopher, I'll, I'll say this, that I'm very pleased that you are on board with us. You are a, a great addition uh, to our work here over the summer. And uh, just really, again, appreciate you joining in on this program um, for us to talk about some of the cultural issues. And by the way, one of the other reasons why you are on this program at this moment, not just because Ron isn't here, but because you did some of the research. And I I thought you were well-versed in some of the things we're going to talk about. So let's jump in. Um, This transgender moment, if you will, that we are in uh, is pretty significant. When you look at um, major brands, household brands that have embraced that movement and they're actually uh, pushing it either through clothing lines as Target is doing or through spokespeople like Bud Light is doing with Dylan Mulvaney, you, you just have to wonder what is going on. Uh, I'm going to share a few other examples too. Um, these are the most recent, Target and, and Bud Light. But, you know, if you look back to last year, uh, Disney, uh, one of the most iconic brands in the country, used to be very family-friendly. Disney mm-hmm. World was a place, a destination place for families that had young kids. And Disney has been pushing the idea of LGBT identities for years. They have LGBT Pride Days and Pride events. Well, last year, they went a step further when the Florida legislature passed a law that the media dubbed Don't Say Gay. Essentially, it was a bill that prohibited the teaching of sex education or LGBT identities in the kindergarten through third grade classroom. We're talking kids. We're talking five through nine-year-olds. And it's a, it was a common sense bill passed by huge margins in the state legislature. Most uh, Floridians were in favor of it. And yet Disney went out on a limb and took a stand against that bill. And of course, they're still uh, fighting with the governor of Florida, Ron DeSantis. Um, but they're on the verge of losing their special tax status in Florida because of their aggressive push for uh, transgender identity and other LGBT um, rights, so-called. But Disney's an example of just going out there on a limb and possibly losing money. Uh, Just the other week, the Los Angeles Dodgers were in the news because they scheduled to honor a very controversial drag queen group called the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence. The L.A. Dodgers were going to honor the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence with their annual Community Hero Award, even though it's a very controversial group, uh, not doing, you know, known for aggressive activism, 
known to uh, insult the faith, um, re- essentially sacrilegious activity is what they were uh, promoting. Um, but the Sisters for Perpetual Indulgence, some of the some of their names uh, of their uh, just the the queens that represent them are sacrilegious and offensive. So the L.A. Dodgers have gone out on a limb to promote this. Then NHL, National Hockey League, earlier this year was hosted Pride Nights where they were celebrating LGBT identity. Well, early on, there were players that said, I'm not going to wear the rainbow-colored jerseys. So here's several examples of um, major brands, major organizations, uh, entertainment venues like Disney, sports venues like Major League Baseball and the NHL, pushing this agenda. Now, Christopher, one reason I thought it would be good to have you in is because you're a younger generation, right? You're a millennial? Uh, Gen Z millennial. Okay. Somewhere out there. You're just, <laughs> you're a couple. Yeah, you're you're in a different generation. Now, your generation is, um, according to surveys, is viewed as being tolerant towards LGBT identities. Now, I want to start there with your generation and how you perceive LGBT identities or LGBT acceptance. Can you speak to that? Sure. Uh, let's let's first start with the question of what is happening uh, with mm-hmm. these companies. And I think what's happening with these companies is something that my generation is pushing, that my generation is seeing, that uh, past generations may not have. Uh, we're used to big businesses, big corporations uh, seeking uh, financial success, seeking their own welfare. That That's part and parcel of, of what it means to live in a capitalist society. Mm-hmm. And there are many good things about that. What we're seeing now is these corporations are prioritizing uh, social justice issues, LGBT issues, the sexual revolution, uh, and virtue signaling, you might say, prioritizing making these ethical statements, that they are ethical statements, uh, in some cases over what might seem to be financially sustainable for them. So there's a big, so, and I think my generation is in many ways pushing that. Um, We want to see from our businesses, uh, businesses that, support our values. Um, I think that's true for Christians. To some extent, we we want to see businesses who are supporting Christian values. That's certainly true uh, for those outside the faith. Uh, so why are these businesses doing this uh, when it would seem to be hurt them financially? And what will be the result? Uh, we'll see. We don't quite know yet. Um, certainly, those businesses you mentioned uh, are suffering greatly. Um, we could talk about uh, Bud Light with Dylan Mulvaney. Bud Light's lost almost $16 billion in market value over the last couple of months. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Target, Target's lost, uh, I think it's about a uh, little less, maybe only $12 billion, yeah. something like that. Uh, J.P. Morgan Chase is also suffering uh, from shareholder actions, from uh, attorney general's letters uh, to them. Uh, so we'll see. What happens, um, and what my generation, how my generation responds? Um, though I suspect we're going to keep on with our activism. So uh, older generations, uh, those fifty and older, are much more conservative when it comes to sexual ethics. Uh, the younger generation is um, fluid or open, or uh, just there's no. It's viewed. In fact, it is viewed as um, being uh, opposed to people if you are against. LGBT behaviors. Your generation, uh, Gen Z and millennials, view this as harmful to people. When did that, what has shaped that? Do you have any thoughts as to what has shaped your generation 
is how it looks at um, human sexuality and mm-hmm. sexual ethics. Absolutely. There, there's a couple things we can say about that. First is that we're seeing the decline in a, in a very interesting phenomenon some commentators have noticed, and that is uh, conservatives, or excuse me, liberals living as if they were conservatives. Uh, that's mostly true among uh, your generation and the generations older than me. Uh, you'll have uh, people your age who are vote Democratic, um, live uh, and support the Democratic Party, liberal agendas, but they live in the suburbs with a stable family and kids. Yeah. Uh, it's, un- it's, a, it's unexplainable, really. They're living conservative lives and not voting for it. That's not happening with my generation. Mm. Um, they don't see the value in the social capital of living in a stable family. Sometimes they haven't seen it. Okay. Um, so that's a big change. So I think you touched on something that's important. Mm -hmm. I think perhaps the biggest change in your generation is that more of your generation than in my generation, and I'm a Gen Xer, Mm -hmm. uh, my generation grew up, for the most part, the vast majority grew up in intact, Mm -hmm. married households. They had a mother and a father for much of their lives, raising them. Uh, The culture was much, much more conservative as well. But your generation um, is more likely to grow up in a divorced household. Mm-hmm. Many of uh, the young people today in your generation don't know their biological father, especially those that are in the inner city. So you have a weakening family structure and uh, no examples of a stable marriage, of a, of a mother and father living together, devoted to raising their children. And that certainly impacted the view um, that young people have towards marriage and family. But also, what about the cultural influences? I'm thinking the media mm-hmm. influences. Absolutely. <clears throat> and behind all of the, the cultural influences, media influences, academic influences, uh, is an idea that we've talked about, you've talked about on this program before, expressive individualism. Uh, let me encourage our listeners, if you haven't listened to Carl Truman's interview, uh, here with Richard on the Commonwealth Matters. It's an excellent conversation and explains much of the background of this. Essentially, the uh, the 32nd summary is that people in my generation especially see the ultimate goal of life is to express themselves mm-hmm. and their desires. There's no institutional guardrails. Um, there are no family guardrails mm-hmm. on themselves. They're going to do um, what best makes them them. Yeah. Uh, and what is the most fundamental way you can do that in our society? Well, it's sexual expression. Uh, and the height of that is this transgender issue. The idea that um, yourself, the way you feel about your gender, um, is the best way to express yourself. You know, one of the great ironies with that, Christopher, and thanks for that very kind plug with the interview I did with Carl Truman, by the way. Uh, one of the ironies is that one of the most private, intimate aspects of uh, our being is sexual expression. And um, for much of the history of the West, the only appropriate place for that was within the context of marriage. But now it's been taken out of marriage and no longer something private and personal. But it's something where if you're an NHL hockey player, you're expected to have a LGBT pride flag on your jersey. And it has become very public, something that you identify with. And one of the things I'm, I'm going to say, just add something from the older generation that is difficult for them to embrace or get their minds around or to accept is that this behavior was on the margins of society, viewed as unhealthy, anti-family, just undermining society in general. And now it's being embraced and publicized 
And it's become a line of demarcation, if you will, in our society. There are those who embrace it and are going to promote it, and those who are saying, no, that this is not healthy, it's not right, uh, it doesn't help the individual flourish as God intended us to, and, and it doesn't help society either. Um, and so this is, this is the, the, the moment that we're in. This is how this issue's been processed and thought through. But I want to bring it back to CPC and how we address this. We address this issue, along with other issues, from the biblical grid, the reality that there's a creator who defines what's right and wrong, a creator who makes us in his image and has certain guardrails in life for us. And uh, for us <laughs> to speak mm-hmm. against these things, we're very much going against the cultural current. <laughs> and we're viewed as mm-hmm. out of the mainstream. We're viewed as, and we've been called a lot of nasty things, and that's okay. But uh, we do believe that there is a framework for healthy living for individuals mm-hmm. that our Creator's given us. But there's also a framework for healthy societies by which to um, pursue and embrace if those societies are going to remain healthy. I think one of the things, Christopher, that's clear is that our society is no longer healthy mm-hmm. in many regards. If you travel to any of our major cities, you see the breakdown um, and the contrast between uh, these, you know, the, the financial districts and the power and the wealth and the success. You see that contrasted with the utter um, poverty of values that people who are homeless or on drugs or choosing a lot of bad things um, that don't promote their well-being or the community's well-being either. Um, so, Christopher, I don't want to. I, I want us to move over to uh, to this. How should Christians respond? Your generation, my generation. How should the church respond when we see the brokenness in our culture? of this sexual ethic that is clearly destructive to individuals and to society. Um, what should the response be? Christians, uh, first to, to know how to respond, have to see uh, what we're up against. Um, so I think one way, if we hope to, uh, to take back the culture, and I, and I hope by that we mean uh, to build strong families and strong communities, that's how we do that. Uh, we have to understand uh, what the left is doing and how we can combat it. Thankfully, they've told us. Mm-hmm. They, they've told us for decades. It's uh, through taking control of our cultural institutions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, one uh, leftist thinker uh, who was prominent in the early days of critical theory named Herbert Marcuse um, mm-hmm. wrote a, an essay called Repressive Tolerance. Our listeners probably don't need to read it. It's, it's not great stuff. Mm-hmm. But anyways, the, the main point of this uh, article written in the 60s is to say that uh, he, he, so first of all, he's speaking uh, from a posture uh, of, of being a cultural minority. The, the right, uh, in some ways, cultural conservatives had control back then. And he says, there can be no compromise of tolerance hmm. between Christians and conservatives and the left. Hmm. He says the only way that the left's values will rise is if conservative and Christian values are, uh, are cut out hmm. of society. Um, that's sad that he thought that. Um, so how do Christians respond to that? Um, we'll talk more in the program, of course, about how to build a positive vision for a, a Christian culture in our families and our churches. That's a great way. But, but to put it shortly, um, it's seeking to build up these institutions. Going back to CPC's core values, the family. Are we uh, getting married and having children? That's very basic, but that's a huge part um, of how we respond. 
um, are we uh, killing expressive individualism in our own hearts, which I think is first through submitting to Christ's lordship uh, and being members of local churches, being in Christian community. Um, are we uh, voting and seeking to see these values in, first of all, our local communities, but also in our state? There's so much more to say about that that we'll get to, but those are the, the main points. That's good, Christopher. If you're just joining us, you're listening to The Commonwealth Matters. I'm Richard Nelson here with Christopher Parr. We're going to take a break, and we'll be back in just a moment. Hi, Richard Nelson here with the Commonwealth Policy Center. It's clear that the news media isn't always fair. In fact, there's lots of far-left bias and political gamesmanship. No surprise there. So if you're looking for a perspective that's grounded in the truth of Scripture and our nation's founding principles, then get plugged into CPC's resources. Sign up for our e-newsletter at CommonwealthPolicyCenter.org. You can also follow us on Facebook at Commonwealth Policy Center. And we're on Twitter at CPC for Kentucky. Welcome back to the Commonwealth Matters. I'm Richard Nelson with Christopher Parr, and we're talking about the culture, uh, in particular, the transgender moment that we're in, and major corporations that are pushing uh, the mainstreaming of transgender ideology. I want to pivot over to some positive signs in our culture, despite some of the craziness that we're seeing and things that don't make sense that we're seeing. There are some positive signs. So consider this. Um, there are many willing to speak out against the idea that transgenderism is a good thing, that embracing that ideology is a good thing. I think of Riley Gaines, former University of Kentucky swimmer, who's a nationally recognized speaker, who's speaking all across the country on uh, fairness in women's sports. Legislation uh, is being enacted at the state level all across the country to stop hormone therapy and the gender mutilation of youth. Several of these states have passed Save Women's Sports Bills. Uh, I think that, uh, well, Kentucky enacted its bill last year, the Fairness in Women's Sports Act. I think it's nearly half the states that have passed legis similar legislation. Um, financial repercussions. Christopher, as you mentioned, financial repercussions for companies that are um, pushing ideologies offensive to many people, they're suffering. Um, Anheuser-Busch lost uh, almost $16 billion within a two-month period. Target in less than uh, in just less than two weeks lost twelve point four billion. That's a huge uh, mm -hmm. hit that those companies are taking for promoting offensive ideologies. I mentioned the L.A. Dodgers earlier. They were going to honor the sisters for perpetual indulgence with a community award. They backed away from honoring them. Mm -hmm. They pulled out. They because of the because of the blowback they got from the public regarding NHL Pride Nights. Many teams and players ended opting out of that. Um, so good things are happening. We're seeing a response. You're seeing the push that the left is, is forcing um, and leading on. And then you're seeing a response by those who want no part in this. Now, Christopher, we spent a good part of our time <laughs> talking about some of the bad and negative and where our culture is. And unfortunately, the church is often known by what it is opposed to. We're good at pointing out what's wrong with the culture. We're good at pointing out sin and evil, which is necessary. But is the church known by what it is mm -hmm. for? And what I'd like to pivot over to in the last uh, few minutes here that we have is to talk about a vision for God's kingdom. We know that as followers of Christ, that um, we are image bearers who live in a sinful world. We are tainted and marred with sin, weighed down in sin. 
except for what Christ has done for us and accepting his sacrifice that he made for us on Calvary, that's good news. That's the good news of the gospel, that he has unchained us from our sin and from our self-centeredness and us doing life however we want to do it. But he has given us, um, he's given us a new identity. We're, uh, we're, we are his children. We are walking with him for those who have accepted Christ. But we also uh, live uh, in a different way. And I would submit to you that we live according to God's kingdom principles in his kingdom, even though it's not in its fullness. God has, when Jesus came 2,000 years ago, he was the king, the beginning of his kingdom came. And it's not in its fullness. There are still battles and skirmishes, and there are rebels in his kingdom. But he is building a kingdom. And I want to talk about the vision of a kingdom. Now, this vision of God's kingdom goes back to the Old Testament prophets. Uh, Isaiah, he is my favorite Old Testament prophet. The book of Isaiah prophesied about the coming Messiah in Isaiah 9, but it talked about the kingdom in its fullness. Um, so Isaiah 11, 6 through 9, let's, let's go to this one. Well-known passage, it starts out in verse 6. The wolf shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the young goat, and the calf and the lion and the fattened calf together, and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze, their young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like an ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the cobra, and the weaned child shall put his hand on the adder's den. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. What a beautiful passage of God's kingdom where there's harmony, there's peace between the animals. There's peace between mankind and the animals that would harm them. When you think of children playing around uh, snakes in den, not a good thought. Except in this case, there's no threat of that snake hurting the child. Um, and then it goes on to say, The earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. I want to I just focus on that. Uh, that last sentence there, in the context of our discussion, we're talking about a lot of darkness and a lot of man-centered ideas that are purporting to bring life and flourishing and this idea of self-expression. I would call it radical self-expression, that you will become fulfilled as a person if you radically express yourself however you see fit. We're seeing something very different here, that the earth is going to be full of the knowledge of the Lord. And part of this is who we are, uh, what our limitations are, what it means to flourish and to live righteously. And um, when we're grounded in this truth, the reality that there's a living God who speaks to us through his word, uh, who gives us a, a guidebook to life, if you will, <laughs> a guidebook for flourishing, um, it's going to put us on a very different path than those who are embracing transgender ideologies.